What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. Um, Joshua is one of my favorite books. Joshua is an Old Testament book. Joshua takes over after Moses. Um, so, and, and we're going to get into something really interesting. It's, it's time for them to go into the promised land uh, where we've been. They've been wandering in the desert for about 40 years now, right? Anybody want to sign up for that? Nope. I suggest don't doubt God. That's what happened, right? So in this story, they're going to cross a river. It's an important river. It's called the Jordan River, and they're about to go into this new territory. So let's read it. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal. Gilgal is interesting. It means circle, right? Set up in Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your children ask, notice it didn't say if. Can we, can we, can we like bold that? If you've got a Bible, a paper Bible, underline that. Don't freak out because the lights just glitched. It's okay, right? Um, but in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones, you should tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, which he drank, uh, dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is strong and so that you may always fear the Lord. I think today I want to talk about remembering. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, remember the stones. Remember the stones. Post it in the chat if you're watching online. Remember the stones. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father God, I pray that you would inspire something inside of us. God, that we would go into the new year with expectation that you're going to do something that we've maybe never seen, or maybe we're going to experience you in a way maybe that we never have. God, I pray that, um, that we don't move into the new year complacent. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. It's, it's, guys, it is 2022. Like, whether you wanted it to be here or not, the new year is here, Right? And I, I'm kind of like one of those guys, like, I, I, I'm really, today's message, I don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions. I don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Why? Most people give up on them mid-February anyways. What I want to do is I want to talk about, like, life change, right? I, I, that's what I believe the Bible is about, is getting God in our life. And as he changes us from the inside out, we see our lives change around us, Right? 22, I, I like going into the new year because we go in with expectation. We go in dreaming a little bit. You know, the first two days of the 31 days of prayer have been, what is God, what are you, what is God going to do in your life? And it's, what is God going to do in your family? But here's what I've learned. People have, people's perspective of the new year is usually determined by the previous one, right? Um, not all years are, are created equal. Would you guys agree with that? For example, I think 2021 was way better than 2020, right? Ain't nobody locked up this year. You know, it was a, this year was really good. But um, some people are probably more excited for 2022 than others. Why? Well, maybe for you, 2022 was a great year. 
Maybe 2022, you hit your sales goal, so you maybe saw a little bit more income, maybe you got a promotion, maybe you entered into a relationship that you'd been super excited about, Uh, maybe you got a raise, maybe you had a new addition to your family, hello COVID babies, right? And then all of that's going on, like uh, maybe 2022 was, or, or 2021 was a great year. So your perspective going into 2022 is like, man, last year was good, I hope this year is as good or better. You know what I mean? Any, anybody like that in, in the room? 2021, 20, man, good year. Come on, Lord, let's, let, let's pray for increase. That's a Christian prayer, right? That's what we love to pray. Lord, make it bigger, better, more. Mm, yes. For some people, 2021 was a tough year. There are some people in our church family that 2022 is off to a rough start. 2021, maybe, maybe you lost a job. 2021, maybe you didn't get that thing that you were hoping for. Maybe you got laid off. Maybe you, you lost a pet. Maybe, maybe you lost a, a family member. Maybe 2021 is, is your stance is like, man, I just want to leave it in the rearview mirror, and I don't want to look back. For some people, their perspective going into 2022 is, is this is a fresh start. Anybody, anybody like that this morning? 22 is, is, is just a fresh start. Can I just be completely op- and open and honest with you guys? Um, no matter what 2021 was like, 2022 is here. 2022, we are all walking into a new year. We are all walking into new things. Uh, I was listening, uh, Brittany Porter has reminded me of this, but there's a pastor we listen to, and he says this. He says, you know what? Nobody's ever lived this long. So for all of us, this is a new experience. Nobody's ever lived in 2022 before, right? So no matter what your perspective was or no matter how good or bad last year, this is all new territory. None of us have ever been here, right? And, and, and here's what I want us to think about is that's what we're talking about in the Word today. Like think about their perspective. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years, 40 years, all they know is the desert, they know manna, and they've gotten to drink water from a rock, right? Some of us don't like eating the same meal two days in a row. Try it for 40 years. You know what I mean? Live in a tent for 40 years. Have to move the tabernacle for 40 years, which is where the presence of God was. You know what I mean? We don't like doing things over and over. They did it for 40 years, and now it's time for them to cross over into something new. Now, we know that this is the promised land, right? That's what the Bible says about it. This is how it's been described. It's a land flowing full of milk and honey, but guess what? They've never been there. They've sent spies, but the reason that they had to wander for 40 years is because 10 of the spies are like, man, we can't take this territory. It was their, can I, can I speak something over you? I want to remind you that it was the doubt of the spies that kept Israel from going into their promise. Why am I reminding you of that? Because there's maybe there's something that God has spoken over your life, and the only reason you haven't walked in is because you doubted God. It was the doubt of if if they would have listened to to Joshua when Joshua came back. Joshua was like, "No, God said He gave it to us." If they had listened to Joshua, they would have entered the promise forty days uh, or forty years earlier. What was supposed to be a 40-day journey turned into 40 years. You see that? Why? Because they didn't believe God. Because they didn't believe the word that he had spoke. Listen, sometimes, maybe we're in a desert because we doubted what God spoke over us. 
Sometimes maybe we're in a desert because we don't know what God spoke over us. So our initial response is just to doubt or to depend on our logic or our own strength, right? But anyways, back to this. They had, this is a territory they've never been. And something significant is about to happen. Uh, he, God tells them to carry 12 stones. The 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And we'll look at verse 20 again. It says this. Joshua set up in Gilgal, which means circle, the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you crossed over, just as he did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us before us until we had crossed over. So, they, so they, they, they cross over the Jordan River and they, and they have these 12 stones. And this is what they do is they set up, um, they set up these 12 stones in like, like a monument. It, it, some theologians think that they set it up in a circular spot, uh, which is why Gilgal would be important. It means circular, it means round. But they, they take these 12 stones from this miraculous moment and then they set up, they create a monument or an altar. How many of you understand altars are not just something you sacrifice something on? They're also signs and reminders of what God has done in your life. So, so God tells them, hey, I want you to create this monument in this place on the other side of the Jordan River to remind you that I dried up the river so that you could walk into new territory. It, it, it's interesting because it wasn't like, hey, just go into this new territory. It's like God paved a way for them to go into the new territory. You know what I mean? He opened the waters. He split the sea. Is it possible that, that God's been trying to open some things, hoping that you'll walk through into new things? You know what often keeps us from walking into new things? Old mindsets. My own logic, my own understanding. I just don't know if I agree with that, Pastor. Well, the Bible says it. Okay. Bible's been around for 2,000 years. You're 30. <laughs> just, uh, you know what I mean? But a lot of times the thing that keeps us from going into new territories is we can't get beyond our own understanding. I have to understand it in order for me to move forward. Logically, it's got to make sense to me in order for me to participate. That's not faith. That's the opposite of it. Because if it's about your logic and understanding, then you're working towards autonomy instead of dependence on God. So God, he creates this thing. He asks them to build this monument and build this altar, and, and he asks them to cross. And it's supposed to be a reminder of when they cross on dry ground. Now, this should sound pretty familiar to us, shouldn't it? Right? Think about the generation before. Remember, Joshua was there. He's speaking to this generation. He said, it's just like this. When Israel was leaving Egypt, what happened? They're going, they get their backs at the Red Sea. It's actually a fascinating story because it looks like they're surrounded by death, right? It looks like they've got death at their back because they got the Red Sea here. Then you have the, the superpower of the world at the time, which would be Egypt, pursuing them with their best soldiers. And it's kind of funny because uh, Moses is like, guys, be still, be silent, watch what God's going to do today. And then he looks at God and God's like, you better do something. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> so he tells him to raise his staff over the water. And then what does it say? It says a strong wind through the east parts the, the Red Sea. You know what's crazy is the east was the opposite side of the Red Sea. So the wind came from where they were supposed to go. The Holy Spirit moved. Oh, Holy Spirit is, a, is uh, often synonymous when you look at Greek and Hebrew words. The same word used for wind is the same word used for Holy Spirit. Came from the opposite side. It's like the wind came to show them the direction that they were supposed to go. When they were surrounded by death, God made 
away. How many of you know that's what exodus means, is mass exit? What does that mean? That if God is with me, nothing can trap me. Right? That's what we see in the book of Exodus. So, so this, 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 walking into the Jordan, this is the next generation, right? So a whole generation dies off. Moses' generation dies off, but Joshua was there with Moses. So Joshua's like, listen, we're going to set up where God tells us to set up this monument to remind us of how God dried up the Jordan River. Because when I was walking through the Red Sea, that's what God did for us. God split the Red Sea so that we could walk on dry ground. So in both instances, it's interesting. They're leaving one place and going to another through a body of water. How many of you understand that that's what baptism symbolizes? I'm going from death to life through what? Water. Baptism is a symbol, is, is, is a reminder of us leaving the old into the new. Behold, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is what? The new has come. That you're no longer the old, the old creation. So even when we get baptized, it's the same thing. It's, we should be setting up stones for every baptism that we have. Why? Because we're watching people pass from an old life into a new life. Going from old territory into new territory. In front of the whole entire body of Christ, right? But let's go back to the text. Okay, They're going from the wilderness to the promised land on dry ground. And then, and, and then they, they set up an altar. They set up a monument. Here's the big question. Why? Why? Why set up an altar? Why set up a monument? To remember. That's it. It's to remember the fact that God split the Jordan so that they could walk through on dry ground. Here's what I want to say. It doesn't matter what happened in your life last year. God showed up for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. Right? You may have struggled like you've never struggled before, but guess what? You woke up this morning still breathing. It may have been the hardest year you've ever gone through, but you're still here. It may have been the greatest year you've ever had, and you're still here, right? So my question is this, what did God do for you last year? Or were we too busy to recognize the many miracles that he does in our life? Right? Do we get too distracted by life or do we get too caught in the monotony of life that we fail to recognize that God is moving in our life every single day? Right? Some people, they went through some storms last year that they thought they would drown in. But you're still here. How? God moved. Some people walked in some increase that they never thought that they could experience. And you're here. Why? Because God moved. You know, here's what I want to ask is if they set up stones to remind themselves of how God moved, why don't we? How, what, do you, what is it that we have in our life to remind ourselves that God is moving in our life? Or do we just expect him to do it and just keep moving on? Right? Do we just go through life and, well, he's supposed to do that. He's God. Okay. That's an interesting perspective. You know where these stones came from? The middle of the Jordan. It was a transition period. It wasn't from the old, wasn't quite the new. It was right there in the middle. They grabbed something from their transition to remind them of, of what God did last year. January 1st is a transition period. January 1st, we should have took a step back and looked and said, this is what God did for me last year. And I'm telling you right now, it's not too late. It's only January 2nd. You're only a day late, all right? Not too bad, right? 
But it's, it's a transition period. It's a time for us to take a step back and say, man, I, this, is, this is what God did. This is what God did in my life. Uh, there were, for me, there were, there were challenges I've experienced that I've never experienced in my life before. If you've ever spent any amount of time with me, uh, you know I'm a hyper-optimist, right? There's like optimist, and then I'm like up here. Like everything's going to be good all the time. And what I've learned is you can be a hyper-optimist and still deal with depression. 2021. Um, if you've been around me, you know I love being around people. Uh, in fact, the, all, this is a true story. The only day I work in my office by myself is Tuesdays when I sermon write. <laughs> For the most part, I'm like, all right, where's everybody else working? I can do it on my laptop, and I take my laptop where everybody else is. Like, that's how I am. Like, I hate being alone unless it's nap time. Then don't mess with me, right? But I, I really don't. I don't like being alone. But here's what I also learned is it doesn't matter how many people are around you. You can still feel alone. Those are things that I dealt with in 2021. I dealt with loneliness. It's real. <laughs> Uh, and I would, I would say to you that if you've ever, if you're walking in either one of those, depression or loneliness, they're real. You try to tell yourself that it's not a real thing. Everybody, insert your struggle. Insert your struggle that you had in 2021. Psychologically, physically, emotionally, financially, uh, relationally, whatever it is, you try to tell yourself it's not real. I'm the only one struggling with it. I can't ask for help. I'm the only one. Nobody else is dealing with depression. Nobody knows what it's like to be alone. They're all happy, smiling. How many of you understand that Christians are, the, are really good at playing Halloween 365 days of the year? Why? Because when we come to church, we want to look put together. We want to look good. We don't want nobody to know we're struggling. But it's oftentimes that we see God the most in our hurt and our pain. And how many of you know that's why he sent the church? Hebrews 10. This is not going to pop up. This is way off my notes, but oh well, we're here together anyways, right? Hebrews 10 says, do not forsake the gathering of the brothers as some are in the habit of doing, but continue to meet to encourage each other or spur each other on into good works. We, I've heard pastors preach that when attendance gets low and it's like, oh, you guys are not supposed to stop meeting the church. That's not what that text is about. When you look at the context of the book of Hebrews, these guys are losing their lives for their faith. And when it would be easier to hide in their homes, he says, don't stop meeting together. Why? To encourage each other on. Because the only way you're going to finish the faith race is with people next to you. So keep meeting. Well, what, if I get, what if I lose my life? Okay, to, die is, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We like to quote it until it comes time to actually die to it. You know what I mean? The church... This is, was God's plan for us finishing the walk together. The people to the left and to the right of you, the people in front of you and behind you, the people in the room and online. God's plan for us to finish our faith walk was to do it together. Don't stop meeting. Why? To encourage each other. To encourage each other. Is life hard for you? Listen, I'm here to encourage you because there is a cloud of witnesses that are encouraging and cheering you on to finish your race. Was 2021 hard? Yes, but you're here today, and I'm here to encourage you that 2022 doesn't have to look like 2021, and the same God that was with you last year is with you today. But we got to do it together. We've got at some point we've got to quit playing church. If church, I've said this in the past, I'll say it again. If church is a game, we all lose. Church was never meant to be a game; it's a lifestyle. It's a family. That's why our vision statement is to find family and to find purpose. Because if, if my dad's hurting, I know about it. Why? Because he's my family. If I'm struggling, I know about it. 
or he knows about it because he's my family. You know, I, I remember this. Uh, Julius had just been born and we took, we took huge advantage of the nursery. We we're trying to get those last three days of sleep before he came home. And me and my dad were looking into the nursery. And I remember asking this question. I said, Dad, how do you know how much time to give him? You know what I mean? Before that, it was just Bradley. You know what I mean? If you've been around that guy, he needs a lot of time. <laughs> you know. But I was like, Dad, how do you know how much time to give him? He said, you know. You know why I could ask my dad for help and wisdom? Because he's my family. The Bible says in the council of many, you find victory. Is it possible that you feel defeated this year because you haven't asked the people around you? Is it possible that 2021 was hard because you tried to do it all on your own? Because you tried to use your own strength, your own logic. You tried to be autonomous. How many of you understand that that's what the original sin was? Autonomy from God. It was self-dependency. That's it. I've found out that I often make things worse when I try to do it on my own. And it's not until I reach out for help that I find peace or prayer or anything else like that. You asking for help is not a sign of your weakness. It's actually a sign of your strength. Because in 2 Corinthians, Paul would say this, that he, he said, I asked God to remove this thorn from my side. And he says, no, 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 no. Um, my strength is found in weakness. My strength is perfect in, weak, in your weakness. If you want to be strong, it requires you to be weak. The problem is we're worried about what everybody else thinks about our weakness. If I ask for help, they think I'm weak. If, they, if I ask for help, they don't think that I'm capable of. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband or wife or son or daughter. If I ask for help, I'm just not good enough in everybody else's eyes. But you're good enough in God's. And he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in, in your weakness. Everybody turn and everybody say, don't forget your stones. Can I tell you what I think? Yes, Matt, you can. Okay, thank you. Um, I think, here's what I, I really think this. I think this is, is so true. I think that most of the times that, well, how many of you understand that you, that Christians should be the most victorious people in the world? Right? You know what's a, a very big coffee mug verse that we love? For we are more than conquerors. Right? Anybody, anybody know that scripture? Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors through Christ, who, through him who loves us. Right? The, the Greek word is really interesting. It's the Greek word hypernikeo. Uh, Nike is actually where this comes from. Nike is the Greek word Nike. Right? Nike means victory. So if you're wearing Nike, you're like walking in victory. Hello. Right? But um, no, but it means hypernikeo. So think about the prefix, hyper. What does that mean? Abundance, overflow, a beyond. So when we declare that scripture, what we're saying is I, ha- I get to walk in an abundance of victory, not because of anything that you did, but because of him who loves me. What does that mean? Christians should be the most victorious people that walk the earth. Can I tell you why most Christians walk around defeated? Because they've forgotten what God's done in the past. Because we forget. A lot of the struggles that we have are repeat struggles of a previous one. 
It's the devil just trying to change the angle, change the lens. But it's the same struggle that we've had in the past. Look at this. This is why we need to remember. Look at it. It's Joshua 4, verse 21. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of the stones? What can be assumed from this? Your kids are going to ask why you do what you do. Your kids are that's. It doesn't say if. <laughs> Look at the next one. It says, you. Everybody say, you. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you. Don't point at people, but say, you to your other neighbor. The only reason why we didn't point is because it's rude to point in church, right? It says, you should tell them. You should tell your. That does not say your priest should tell your children. It does not say your pastor should tell your children. It says, you. He's, he's speaking to the people of God, to the, the nation of Israel, and he says, listen, when your kids ask about these stones, you tell them. You, can I tell you how the Bible has been passed down historically before the printing press? See, back before the printing press, we didn't have uh, tablets. <laughs> we didn't have these things where you could download any version of the Bible that you wanted. We didn't even have paper Bibles in every home. The way that the Bible was passed down was it was read, the scroll was read in a community like this. So the way that you remembered the Bible was to meditate on it, which is the opposite of earthly meditation. Earthly meditation is to clear your mind. Biblical is to keep it full of God's Word. So it was to meditate on it and then to recite it, to speak it. So the only reason... That the kids wouldn't know what God has done is because they forgot. What's the danger of them forgetting? Well, that happens in Judges 2.10. It's not going to pop up. I'll tell you what it says. It says there arose a generation who didn't know God. Are we seeing that today? (laughs) Are we seeing a generation run away from God? Is it possible that the reason that they're running away from God is because we forgot it's our responsibility to tell them? Listen, if I leave ministry someday and Bradley's at a church where he's got a youth pastor and all this other stuff, it's not their responsibility for Bradley to know Jesus. It is mine. Why? Because I'm called to be the pastor of my household. Right? I'm called to tell them. So what happens if we forget Well, there's a generation that won't know who he is. Listen, if you don't take time to remember, you'll find yourself straying away from God. If you don't take time to sit down and say, this is what God did in my life, eventually you're going to be moving further and further down the seat because you're going to try to depend on yourself. It's happened to all of us. Listen, it's so easy to do it in church as a a pastor because you get focused on just reading the word to preach a sermon instead of actually spending time with the one who wrote the book. It's real. You could find yourself as a pastor sitting down here when God's at the table. And it's a table for two. He's waiting for you. So if it's just that easy for me, it's the same for all of us. Business owners, it could be super easy to get caught up in your business that you forget I've drifted away from God or even how God's moved in my business. Teachers, working with kids, students, you get so caught up in, listen, I love sports. I grew up, we got to travel, we got to play sports, but you can get so caught up in sports that you forgot it was God that gave you the ability in the first place. 
And what ends up happening? I'm over here chasing this while God's at the table waiting for me to sit with him. You know what I mean? He says, when your kids ask you, when, 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 when your kids ask you, he says, you tell them. And the, the risk of it is this. If we don't tell them, there could be a potentially a generation that raises up that doesn't know God. It happened in the Bible. What happens if we got overambitious a little bit and started telling our kids everything that God was doing, though? I mean, we pray for revival. You know how you act on revival? Tell your kids what God did. Because maybe, maybe when telling our kids, when we tell our kids what God did, they start to look for what God's doing in their life. Now he's not an interesting concept. He's a person that's moving on my behalf. You know what I mean? That, you, you want me to tell you how to partner with our youth ministry? Tell your kids what God did. And I promise you when they come here and Naomi preaches to them, they're going to know even more. You want to know how to impact the next generation? Tell your kids what, how God moved in your life. Tell your kids how God took you out of a pit and, and restored you, made you whole. Tell your kids how you were struggling financially and all of a sudden this miracle happened and, and we were able to make it. Tell your kids how I was caught up in this and I was addicted to that, but God set me free. Those are the stories that we should be telling our kids. Why? Because then they start to expect God to move in their life. If it's a regular thing in yours, then they start to expect that maybe it'll be a regular thing in mine. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. Everybody high-five your neighbor. It's way too quiet up in this place. Man. You're like, I thought this new year was going to be nicer. <laughs> just, uh, I just... Listen, I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm really not. Here's why. This is way off script. I read stories in the book of Acts and I pray that they happen here. There's a story in the book of Acts where they get together and they pray in John Mark's house in the upper room. And it says that the room shakes. And I pray that that happens here. Why? Because if it happened then, it can happen now. The only reason that stuff like that wouldn't happen is if church is a game or church is a chore or faith is an option. Man, I'm so thankful that Jesus, like we weren't an option to Jesus. You mean, I'm so, so thankful. You know, the reoccurring theme during the Old Testament is God gives man a choice. They choose the opposite of God. God lets them walk through some discipline. Then he gives somebody else. Look at the book of Judges. Reoccurring theme. They, Israel worships a false god. He hands them over to them. He raises up a judge who leads them back to God. That judge dies. They worship a false god. God hands them over to them. He raises up another judge who leads them back to God. At some point, when we read the Old Testament, we got to look at the fact that God never gave up on humanity. <laughs> what about the flood? Okay, well, if he gave up on humanity at the flood, he wouldn't have spared Noah. Because the very first thing that Noah does after the flood it recedes is he messes up. <laughs> is it possible rooms don't shake anymore? Not because God gave up on man, but because man gave up on God. 
Because to us, God is a concept. He's a practice. He's an idea. He's a, we're supposed to. That's why our word for 2022 is to know God. Because he's so much more than that. We've said this. The only reason heaven is so good is because Jesus is there. The only reason hell is so bad is because Jesus is not. It's about a person. A person. When you got married, your spouse isn't an idea, a concept, a logic, an understanding. They're an actual person that you have to spend intentional time with. And in order for that relationship to grow and flourish, you have to communicate. You've got to spend time. You've got to pursue. We understand that with marriage. Where did that drift from God? Because marriage is the example that God uses as our relationship with Him. You got to spend time. You got to grow. You've got to pursue. Man, I think it's time for rooms to shake again. I think it's time for fires to burn inside of us. I think it's time for fires to burn inside of our youth. I think it's time for hope to, to kind of ignite inside of some people. Even in our hurt and in our pain, there's a reason for all of this. Look at verse 24. He said, this is, so, this is so that all of the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is strong and so that you may always fear the Lord, or, or, or be loyal to, um, to, to revere. So, so the, the, the monument wasn't just for them. Did you catch that? The monument wasn't just for the nation of Israel. He said, this is so that all the people, all the people, everybody say all the people, all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. Have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that God's hand is mighty? That God actually came and liberated us from the thing that was holding humanity down. You want me to tell you why they believed that the Messiah was going to set them free from Rome? Because all Israel knew was oppression. They were oppressed by, Israel, uh, by Egypt. They were oppressed by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians, by the Medes. Now they're oppressed by Rome. And they're like, this Messiah, he's going to come set us free from this oppression. But do you know what the greatest oppression that they had that they weren't willing to pay attention to was? Sin and death. And Jesus came and he set us free from the greatest oppression that's ever set foot on the earth. I think it's fair to say that his hand is still mighty, that he is still strong. And it's time for us to set up monuments to remind us of that very thing. Is life hard right now? Yes. But you, you know, God is mighty and his hand is strong and he's been with you in the past. Paul says it this way. He has moved. He will move. He will do it again. Some people, that needs to be what you pray every morning. God has moved in my past. God will move in what I'm going through. And God will be there with me in my, in my present tribulations or the thing that's in front of me. He has. He will. He'll do it again. He has. He will. He'll do it again. Why? Because his hand is mighty and he is strong. You're here because his hand is mighty. And he is strong. You get to experience salvation because his hand is mighty and he is strong. And even above all of that is he's with you and for you. In 2022, you need to put that in front of you to remind yourself he is with you and he's for you. 
So these, let's go back to the stones. These stones, these stones were a reminder of a, of a miraculous sign. Right? They, they were a reminder that he stopped the, the Jordan River from flowing. Uh, here's the question I have. Um, what is the purpose of miraculous signs? What, what is, is, is the purpose of signs, miracles, and wonders just signs, miracles, and wonders? I want to say something, and I don't want it to come off as insensitive. But many times we pray for signs, miracles, and wonders because we want to benefit from it. The purpose of signs, miracles, and wonders is not our benefit, but his revelation. What am I saying? Every time Jesus did a miracle in the New Testament, people either knew how good God was or they re- it was revealed to them that he was the son of God. When we ask for sign miracles and wonders, what we're asking is for God to reveal himself to the people around. That when somebody gets healed, that somebody would see that God is still moving. That when somebody gets saved, that somebody would see that God is still speaking, that he's still changing lives. The purpose of signs, miracles, and wonders were to point people to God. So here's the question. What is your stone? What is your altar? What is it that you're going to do to remind yourself of what God's done? Because this altar, right, the one that they built, was a reminder that God is powerful and still moves. This altar that they built was a reminder that he's faithful to keep his promises because they're going into the promised land. But it is also a reminder that God is trustworthy. So that he's, he's powerful, still moves. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. Here's what I think. No matter what happened last year, joy or pain, God moved. And if I will take some time to remember that, I can remind myself of those three things too. They may be the banner for 2022. Is that God is powerful and he still moves. That God is faithful and that God is trustworthy. That he's powerful, he still moves. He's faithful and he's trustworthy. And I'll close by saying this. It may be the stones that you grabbed from 2021 that get you through 2022. Yesterday's victories are faith for tomorrow's battles. How do we get there? We remember that he's been with us in the past. That he has been, he will be, and he'll do it again. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me as we get ready to worship. Maybe, maybe during worship today, that's what you do. Maybe you gather with your family and you say, man, how did God move in your life? Maybe you get your kids around and you say, this is what God did last year. Was it tough for us? Yes, but God showed up. Maybe sometimes acknowledging God is admitting that we were wrong. That when I should have depended on you, I did my own thing. But God, you loved me enough to get me through it. Here's what I, this is what I believe. We see God move throughout the Bible and he hasn't stopped. If you're in a storm right now, I believe God can use it to grow you. To mold you, to shape you into who he's called you to. But if you're on the mountaintop, 
man, you need to be shouting to everybody how you got there because somebody needs to hear of your victory so that they can walk in the same thing. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for stories like this. God, where we can look back in the Old Testament and see where you tell people to set up monuments or altars to remember what you've done. God, and I pray that we would do that, that we would take some time, reflect. Let's look at last year, two years ago, three years ago, and say, this is how I got where we are today. My marriage was a wreck, but if God wouldn't have showed up, we wouldn't be here. But look where we are. My finances were jacked. I don't know how I was going to make it, but God came out of nowhere, and he showed up, and he provided, and look at what we're doing emotionally, I was messed up. I was depressed. I was alone. But God, if you wouldn't have showed up, I wouldn't be here today. God, that we've walked in victories. Let us set up stones to remind ourselves. In your name we pray. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.